We would like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners, including the Wurundjeri Woi. We would like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners, including the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people, as the original custodians of this land, along with their customs and traditions and their special relationship with the land. It's Sunday the 25th of September and welcome to The Wind Down, a recap of the week's news produced by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm your host, Aditi Gutti. Wednesday marked the last day of Victorian Parliament and it was an eventful one. Upper House MP and Reason Party leader Fiona Patton revealed on Tuesday via social media that she had been diagnosed with cancer after a tumour was recently discovered on her kidney. She intends to have her kidney removed in October and will then go on to recontest the state election in November. Ms. Patton said she intends to campaign for a northern metropolitan seat from her hospital bed over Zoom. She wrote in a statement that she hopes by being public and transparent about her diagnosis, she might encourage others to do the same. Ms. Patton has been a fierce advocate for progressive policies such as voluntary assisted dying, safe access around abortion clinics, injecting rooms, and the decriminalisation of sex work. Sticking with state politics, Daniel Andrews has made a pre-election pledge of $1 billion to rebuild the Maroondah Hospital in East Ringwood and rename it in tribute to the Queen. The announcement has faced the backlash from both sides of politics, with the Greens describing the move as a form of recolonization. Maroondah is a woe-wearing word meaning leaf, and Senator Lydia Thorpe has said this is not what a treaty looks like. To change it to anything else is disrespectful to the people, but it also shows that we're going backwards when it comes to uniting this country. Andrews addressed the media on Monday, the day of the Queen's funeral, saying that the council would retain the name Maroondah, but it was fitting to rename the hospital. It's a new hospital, a brand new hospital, and it needs a new name, and that's what we're going to give it. While the opposition has made no comment on the name change, Matthew Guy has announced if elected as Premier in November, he will spend $400 million on the upgrade. While a lot happened in the last few days of Parliament, a lot was missed due to the National Day of Mourning. As a result, bills will be left to lapse without a vote. One of these bills is the Child Protection Bill, which included the amendment to raise the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 14. Also left untouched was the Health Legislation Amendment, which would see the sharing of patient health data across the public health system without an opt-out function. These two bills, along with the Building, Planning and Heritage Legislation Amendment Bill and the Children and Health Legislation Amendment Bill, will all lapse if the government is not brought back. Additionally, two reviews by the Independent Pandemic Management Committee will not be tabled before the November state election. These reviews reveal details of the vaccine mandates and communication of COVID-19 rules. Despite an eventful last week for Parliament, Labour is still on track for a landslide. Polls show Andrews leads opposition leader Matthew Guy as preferred Premier by 46 to 28%. Foreign Minister Penny Wong has warned that a war in the Indo-Pacific region would be catastrophic for our people and our prosperity in her first ever address to the UN. Minister Wong was in New York to campaign for Australia to have a seat in the UN Council 2029. She used her speech to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine and asked China to exert its influence on Russia to end the war. The death and destruction in Ukraine reminds us all how much we have to lose if we fail to protect the UN Charter. It reminds us that each nation must make its own choices and exercise its own agency. We cannot leave it to the big powers and we cannot be passive 
when big powers flout the rules. The day before, Minister Wong was reported to have had a meeting with her Chinese counterparts. China articulates their position. Uh, uh, we, we, we articulate ours uh, in terms of uh, issues of, of um, difference. Obviously, first amongst them is, is the issue of trade blockages, and that's the, the issue that I, I focused on at the outset. Uh, I think that is as, as the Australian people would respect, as you would anticipate, obviously. Um, we, we do raise, consistent with who we are, the issue of human rights, and that's a consistent position. Protests have been ongoing in Iran across the week over the death of a young Kurdish woman while held captive by morality police. Masa Amini was visiting Tehran when she was arrested for wearing her hijab too loosely. While in custody, she fell into a coma and died three days later. Authorities say she died of a heart attack, but her father has since accused the police of beating her to death. Women across Iran and the Iranian diaspora have responded by burning their hijabs, which have been compulsory for women since 1979. The death has also sparked a new trend of women cutting their hair or shaving their heads in solidarity. Here, protesters are chanting, Now they've killed my sister, I will kill them. Amini's death seems to be the final straw on the camel's back in terms of discontent against the Iranian government, with many calling for the death of Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei. Cost of living hasn't stopped being a problem over the past few months. A while ago, Millie Spencer headed out on campus to ask you how you were managing your rent. This week on campus, we asked you how you've been dealing with the rising cost of rent. Basically, we want to hear from young people like yourself. Mm. Are you renting? Are you trying to find a place? Do you think the government takes rent seriously? Give us your thoughts. We, as students, can't really afford it. Like, they're cheaper than what we're spending right now, but like they're still like pretty much equating up to what you would be spending at uni accommodation, which is already like way overpriced. So it's just difficult being students and especially students that are working part-time in casual jobs like we can't really get that accreditation to live in a house like that so easily. This is a very big coincidence that you're coming here to ask me these questions today because my roommate just asked me to move out this morning. There are also like not much options available at the moment. Uh, yeah like a few months ago like a two three months ago there were a lot of options online on flatmates and stuff but right now nothing is available. Like renting is the new norm and I don't think housing is nearly as affordable or accessible as it used to be. Like I know my parents, when they were my age, they already had a house. Um, most of my siblings, they're all 10, 15 years older, so they're onto their second house that they're buying. But for people our age, you know, a house deposit is enormous now and, you know, we've got big 30-year loans and interest rates are only going up and don't feel as though housing's very accessible and I don't think that rent is well geared towards young people at the moment either. Like, you know, we're trying to manage uni and we don't have an enormous income for someone's mortgage, which might be $600 a week, and they're going to charge you 400 bucks a week for rent or something like that, so pretty tough. Well, a lot of the older houses that we lived in, even if they had high rent, weren't properly maintained. The insulation in the ones we went to was gone, um, and the paint was thinning. The house I lived in now is nice, but like there are holes in my garage, a brick fell off the other day in the front porch, um, so quality too is a big problem. Yeah, definitely I think, you know, with the cost of living going up, um, things like like coffee and food and all, and all that sort of stuff, um, there's a lot of pressure with 
increase in rent and utilities and, and that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people, um, particularly renters. And for young people, it's definitely hard. It's sort of your only option in terms of housing. In sports news, the AFL has come under fire after the annual grand final parade was described as the biggest fizzer ever. The parade, which traditionally saw players move through the city centre on utes, was moved offshore this year and onto the Yarra River, with players floating down the banks. Fans were outraged as the flotations turned back before reaching the Princess Bridge, one of the main points the AFL suggested fans could view the parade from. And it was just a complete waste of time, all the kids lined up, uh, we couldn't even see it. I hope there's a zoom on your camera because the boat was a mile away. As for the game itself, the Geelong Cats won in a landslide. The final score was 133 to the Swans 52. Cats fans, stand up to your full height and celebrate this champion team that has delivered you your 10th premiership. And to some more good news. Aussie legend John Farnham has been moved to rehab from the ICU after surgery on his jaw. Farnham had his jaw removed and his face reconstructed after being diagnosed with mouth cancer and had been in intensive care for over a week. The family have said they're grateful to Victorian healthcare workers for their compassion. Today's episode of The Wind Down was produced by myself, Adafikuti, along with help from Millie Spencer. Album artwork is by Emily Lee. You can find us on Instagram at Swinburne Journalism or The Wind Down Swinburne, Twitter at Swin Journalism, or on our website, theswinstandard.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>